Well, it's a joy to be here on this Wednesday night, and I certainly appreciate the pastor asking uh, to fill in his place while he's away. And uh, I wanted to preach about Christmas, but I just didn't have liberty to do that. And so I want to I preach something tonight, maybe a little bit different, but I believe it relates to the Christmas season because we live in a day and time when this time of the year is very depressing for a lot of people. And it can even affect God's people. And so I want to preach tonight. Take your Bible and turn with me to Isaiah chapter number 50. There's 11 verses. We're not going to consider the whole passage tonight, but I am going to focus on two verses. I'm going to work very hard at two verses here tonight in Isaiah chapter 50. And I want you to notice with me beginning verse number one. The Bible says this, Thus saith the Lord, Where is the bill of your mother's divorcement, whom I put away? Or which of my creditors is it to whom I have sold you? Behold, your iniquities have you sold yourselves, and for your transgressions is your mother put away. Wherefore, when I came, was there no man? When I called, was there none to answer? Is my hand shortened at all, that it cannot redeem? Or have I no power to deliver? Behold, at my rebuke, I dry up the sea. I make the rivers a wilderness. Their fish stinketh, because there is no water, and dieth for thirst. I clothe the heavens with blackness, and I make sackcloth their covering. The Lord God hath given me the tongue of the learned, that I should know how to speak a word in season to him that is weary. He waketh he, he waketh morning by morning. He waketh mine ear to ear, hear as the learned. The Lord God hath opened mine ear, and I was not rebellious, neither turned away back. I gave my backs to the smiters and my cheeks to them that plucked off the hair. I hid not my face from shame and spitting. For the Lord God will help me. Therefore shall I not be confounded. Therefore have I set my face like a flint. And I know that I shall not be ashamed. He is near that justifieth me. Who will contend with me? Let us stand together. Who is mine adversary? Let him come near to me. Behold, the Lord God will help me. Who is he that shall con condemn me? Lo, they all shall wax old as a garment. The moth shall eat them up. Now pay very close attention to verse 10 and verse 11. Who is among you that feareth the Lord, that obeyeth the voice of his servant, that walketh in darkness and hath no light? Let him trust in the name of the Lord and stay upon his God. Behold, all ye that kindle a fire, that compass yourself about with sparks, Walk in the light of your fire and in the sparks that ye have kindled. This shall ye have of mine hand. Ye shall lie down in sorrow. With the Lord's help tonight, I'd like to preach a very simple message. What to do when you walk in the dark. Father, I pray tonight that the Holy Spirit of God would fill me. I pray that you'd help me to communicate the message that I believe that, that this congregation at this particular point in time you've appointed for them to listen to today. And so I pray you'd help me. Lord, I'm, I'm just an empty vessel tonight. I need you to fill me. I need you to speak through me. I need you to guide me and lead me tonight. And I pray that you do a work in our hearts 
and help us to know what we need to do when we come to those times of darkness in our life. And I'll thank you for all that you do tonight and give you all the glory and praise in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you. You may be seated. Thank you for standing for the reading of the Word of God. For every one of us here tonight, and if you've been saved for any time at all, you're going to find this to be true, that there are times that you go through your life and you're in darkness. I'm going to explain what I mean by that tonight. But simply this, there is no light in your life. And let me say it this way. We don't understand why we are in the situation that we're in. We don't understand the circumstances that have come into our life at this time. And, and, and it really, it causes us to be fuzzy. It causes us to be in darkness. I'm talking about spiritually in our life. We have no idea what God is doing in our life. And as you read through the word of God, you will find that there were men and women in the Bible that shared that. That's something they had in common. They walked for a time in darkness in their life. Now, understand this now. Let me kind of set the stage here. There are times in our lives when we don't feel God's presence. Is everybody with me? I'm going to work on that tonight. And even times of prayer, it seems like God is a million miles away from where we're at when we're praying. And it doesn't seem or it doesn't feel like God is close. And even in those times of darkness, I want to remind you tonight that we have the promise of Hebrews chapter 13 in verse number 5 where the writer said, "I will never." speaking of Jesus, I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. I'm thankful for that. I think the Apostle Paul stated in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, in verse 13, there is no temptation taken you, but such as is common to man, but God is faithful, who will not suffer you to be tempted above that you're able, but will the temptation also make a way to escape that you may be able to bear it. I'm thankful for that. I'm thankful we never get into a situation where there's not a way out. God is always faithful. So please listen to this statement tonight. God never withdraws his presence from our lives. Never. Never happens. Can't happen. But sometimes, I'm going to use this word again, but sometimes it feels like his presence has been removed from us. Is everybody with me? Feels like he's not there Now, in this passage, Isaiah is writing under divine inspiration, and he's writing about the darkness of uncertainty and distress that Israel was facing. We're going to talk about that here in just a moment. And I think one of the most encouraging and one of the most helpful things in the Christian life is in this area we're going to preach about tonight, and that is this. Sometimes it feels like God isn't close to us. Now, let's just be honest. We're feeling-oriented. We're emotional oriented. We pray when we feel like it. We go to church when we feel like it. If it feels good, all right, let's just go to church. And we're encouraged to serve the Lord when we feel like it. When we feel like God is close to us, we see the blessing of the Lord upon our lives and upon our family and all that we're doing. 
But it is the inevitable experience of every child of God sooner or later that we will go through a period of darkness in our life where it seems and it feels like God has withdrawn his presence from us. And he's not close to us. That's what I want to try to uh, get across tonight. It's kind of like we go spiritually numb. And we wonder where God is. As we go through our difficult situation. As we walk in the dark. Now let's talk about the context here for just a moment. Because I believe that's very important. Isaiah chapter 50 is about the suffering servant. Who we know to be our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. So just notice this here. I'm not gonna, I'm, I, just, I want you to just get the context here. In verses 1 through 3 here that we read a while ago, we see Israel's sin and God's power to deliver them. I'm here to tell you tonight that everyone in this room, we have a burden of sin. We have a debt of sin. And I'm thankful that somebody paid for that sin. You can't pay for it on your own. There's not enough money in the world. There's not enough good works you can do to pay your sin debt. But I'll thank you to tell you tonight that Jesus Christ paid for our sin debt on the cross of Calvary. And therefore, I don't have to do anything. Because it depends upon me. It depends upon Jesus Christ and the atonement that he made on the cross of Calvary. Verses 4 through 9, it talks about through his sufferings, he makes complete victory possible over sin and man's alienation from God. I'm thankful that God didn't give us a partial victory. I'm thankful he gave us a complete victory. Can I just point out a few things in verse number six? Would you notice that the servant, talking about Jesus Christ, remained obedient, although he was provoked maybe to rebel by the vile treatment that was put upon him? But he was obedient. Would you notice in verse number seven, Jesus demonstrated his determination in setting his face to go to Jerusalem. You find that in Luke chapter 9 in verse number 51. You find that. And by the way, Jesus fulfilled that prophecy there in verse number 6. Verses 8 through 9. Watch this. No matter how he was mistreated, the servant had full confidence in the Lord's support. The Lord was going to take care of him. By the way, three days later he arose from the tomb. But would you notice verse 10 and 11? Because this is what we're going to preach here. The choice is this. Israel had a choice. They had a choice. What's the choice, Brother Rocky? Well, they can follow the servant by trusting the Lord or they can walk through life following their own will, which is to walk in the light of your fire, which is man-made religion, which is works, which is self-righteousness and receive judgment from God. But everybody has a choice. And you're here tonight, you have a choice. You can trust Jesus Christ, your personal Savior, who made an atonement for your sin, or you can try it yourself and come under his judgment in the lake of fire one day. That's the interpretation of this passage. But, but I want to be very practical tonight. Because what is being stated here to the nation of Israel in verse 10 and verse 11 I believe is also being stated to us and I want to try to make it very practical. So they're just two simple truths tonight that I'd like you to see here in verse number 10 and verse number 11. And I want you to notice this. And I don't want to be dogmatic about this. I'm just trying to look at the text here. But I want you to notice, I think there's some reasons why you and why I go through darkness. Now, would you notice something here in verse number uh, 
10. Would you notice that Isaiah is speaking to what we would call believers? Did you notice that? Ye, you that fear the Lord, that obeyeth the voice of his servant. So we're talking about people here in verse number 10. They fear God. They obey God. In other words, they are living a righteous life. They are not living in sin. They are doing everything they're supposed to. We would call them believers in our day and time. Now let me remind you of this just by way of application. That's exactly what happened to Job. In Job chapter 1 and verse number 1, the Bible says he was a perfect, doesn't mean sinless, but as a man of integrity, he was perfect, upright. He was one that feared God and eschewed evil. And the Lord had blessed Job's family. Oh, my soul. He had blessed him with cattle. He had blessed him with great substance, with a great estate, with ten children. He had everything that anybody could want. And then in a minute, it was all gone. And Job didn't know why all those things happened to him. Now you and I do because we've read the back of the book of Job and we know what happened. We know it was because of the devil. We know that the devil had lied about, about Job here. And Satan said the only, Satan told God, the only reason that Job serves you is because you've blessed him. And Satan's a liar. And he never tells the truth. And Job, listen to this, Job was walking with the Lord. That's the testimony of God, God's testimony. Have you considered my servant Job? Job was walking with the Lord and God had blessed him. But listen to me, there came a day in his life that he had to walk in darkness. And he had no idea, why is this happening to me? Why am I going through this particular situation in my life? Now, ladies and gentlemen, I'm not trying to be cute this evening, but what is darkness? It's really the absence of light. There's no light. You don't understand what's going on. When, listen to this. When there is light, I know where I'm going. When there is light, I know where I am. I, I told Brother Ted a while ago, man, I need sunglasses up here. The lights are so bright. It's bright up here. You can see. But you know what? If we turned out all the lights, it would be dark. How do we get dark? It's the absence of light. So when I have light, I know where I'm at. When I have light, I can tell my friends from my enemies. When I have light, I can size up the situation. When I have light, I can see there's obstacles in my path that I couldn't see without the light. And when there is light, I, I, have, I can see everywhere that I need to see round about me in my life. But ladies and gentlemen, when the light is taken away and I am draped in darkness and I really can't even see my hand in front of my face, then what? Because now I, I can't see anything. Now I am totally blind because of my situation. I can't see what lies ahead. I have no assurance that there is not an obstacle in my path. Why? Because it's dark. And we all go through those times in our life. There are times you don't have an explanation. There's nothing to say. I don't know. There are times when it seems like the Lord is quiet. He's silent. If I only knew why I was going through this particular trial. 
And whatever the adversary, whatever the sorrow, whatever the health concerns, whatever the financial situation, whatever the relationship problems may be, ladies and gentlemen, when they come into your life, when they come into my life, and there may be absolutely no explanation whatsoever for what we're going through, can I tell you, you're walking in the dark. And we're going to talk about how you deal with that. So Isaiah, I want you to understand this. He's talking about people that fear and obey God. Here's something else. Number two, God sends strange circumstances into our life in order to make us more like Jesus Christ. Now, because what we're talking about tonight, one of those strange circumstances is darkness. It's not the only one, but it's the one we're going to talk about tonight. In the Bible, you will find that there are men and even women of faith who walked for a period of time in darkness. They were walking in the, they were walking with the Lord, and yet in every circumstance of their life, it seemed to contradict what God was saying. I got a couple examples here, but Joseph is an example of that in the book of Genesis. And God, and God had given Joseph these dreams about he was basically going to rule over his family. But you know what? First of all, he ended up in a pit. And then his brother sold him to some Ishmaelites. And then he went down and he worked for Potiphar. And then Potiphar's wife lied about him. Then he went to jail. And then he interpreted a dream for a baker and a butler. And he told the butler, you're going to be restored to your butlership. But please remember me. And he forgot him for two full years. You know what I call that? Dark. Dark. Because that's not what God had told him was going to happen. God said, you're going to be elevated. Well, listen to me. God's always right. God never makes a mistake. And Joseph was eventually elevated in his life. I'm just saying to you, he's an example. Another example would be in uh, 2 Kings chapter 4 in verse number 8, verse number 9. There we're told about a great woman of Shunan. She has no child. God says through Elijah, Elisha, that woman needs a child. She has a child. That child dies one day. And know what happens? She goes through darkness. She, she doesn't understand what's happening, what's going on in her life. I'm just telling you, this is a common experience. I actually pastored for 26 years, two different churches. But I went through this as a pastor. I went through it two times with people that I love dearly. One was my age. One was 30. And he got cancer. It was a dark time in my life. Does everybody listen to this? It was a dark time. Because this doesn't make any sense to me. And just because something doesn't make sense to me doesn't mean it doesn't make sense to God. I went through this in Tulsa with a, a dear man. And you know, I'm just, I'll just tell you, I can be carnal. And God took one of the best men we had in our church. And I said, Lord, I give you 50 of these people over here. You can take them. Because I know what this man's doing. I know this man has a walk with God. Are you listening to me? He never got in a pulpit and preached. He never sang a special. But I'm telling you, he worked behind the scenes. And I went home and I bawled like a baby. Because I lost a dear friend. I was walking in the dark. Is everybody listening to me? There are times we walk in darkness in our life and we have no... And, and why does God do... Is God being mean to us? 
No, ladies and gentlemen, he's trying to make us more like Jesus Christ. And the only way he can do that sometimes is to put us in the trials to make us what he wants us to be. So why does God send the darkness? Now, I'm just not going to be dogmatic because I don't always know why God sends darkness into our life, invades our life. But I do know this. Listen to this. I do know this. You and I can get dependent on sight by what we see. And there are some believers, don't miss this tonight, there are some believers that will never take a step in obedience until God gives them an additional guarantee that everything's going to work out all right. I'm just telling you, you don't always have that assurance. But here's what I do know. When God says go, you go. And when God says stop, you stop. You, you, I don't have to figure it out. I, there, I, I don't, I don't, there's so many things I could say about it. But I'm just telling you, there have been different times in my life when I knew this is what I'm supposed to do. I'm supposed to go to Tulsa, Oklahoma and pastor a church there. But for all that I know, I may be out in a month. Because I, I was opposite of what they were. What they were. <laughs> but I knew I had a green light from the Lord to go. Does everybody listen to this? You, you, sometimes you just have to trust God. And I know that we want to be assured that we are going to be, we're going to be a success. But I'm going to submit to you tonight that sometimes the Lord says and tells us, you just obey me. I'm not going to tell you what the outcome's going to be. You just do what I tell you to do. And Paul said in 2 Corinthians 5 verse 7, for we walk by faith, not by sight. And let's just be honest, it's very contrary to our human nature. It's very difficult for us to do that because we like to see where we're going. So I I want you to get this tonight. If you don't get anything else, please get this. I want to give you three recommendations from the text, what you do when you walk in darkness. Right here. What do you do when the lights go out? What do you do when you're spiritually numb and it doesn't make sense and you don't understand? What do you do? All right, number one. Look at verse number 10. Who's among you that feareth the Lord, that obeyeth the voice of his servant, that walketh? In darkness. Number one, keep on walking. Keep on walking. When you lose all feeling and when all the inspiration just evaporates in your life, keep on walking. Here is an individual who trusts the Lord and obeys the Lord. And when the darkness comes, they just kept on walking. What what do you mean by that? Well, Let's say this, first of all, before I get to that. Uh, If you're heading home tonight and the lights go out in your car, you don't want to keep driving. Is that right? What are you going to do? Well, I don't know, but I'm not going to be driving 65 miles an hour down the road. I'll guarantee you that if I don't have any headlights and I can't see what's in before me. So on the physical plane, it seems like the logical thing to do is that when there's no light, just stop. Just stop. And that would be true. That would be true in the physical plane. But listen to me, ladies and gentlemen. In the spiritual realm, you don't stop. You keep going. You keep walking. I love this. What may be logical in the physical realm may be illogical in the spiritual realm. Doesn't make any sense. And for a lot of God's people, don't miss this tonight, for a lot of God's people, When the lights go out, they just stop walking. 
They just quit. I'm not going anymore. And many of God's people won't pray unless they feel like praying. Unless God's answering my prayer. I can pray easily when there's inspiration to and when I see God working in my life. But what about the times when you don't feel like praying? God doesn't seem to answer and the heavens seem to be brass. What do you do then? What are you doing when praying's the last thing you're even thinking about because of your situation? You can apply this to all kinds of different situations. What about reading the Bible? Sometimes man can sit down and read the Bible. And other times when you get to First Chronicles, <laughs> you can choke. It's not as inspiring. I tell the students all the time, all the Bible is equally inspired, but it's not all equally interesting. But it's still the Word of God. And you and I are still supposed to read it each and every day in our individual lives where we feel like it or whether we don't. We're supposed to put in the Word of God. Listen, ladies and gentlemen, we're supposed to invite people to church. We're supposed to tithe. We're supposed to be faithful to church. I would, I would submit to you, there may be times in your life you don't feel like going to church. I'm not going to lie about it. Yeah, there's times I don't feel like going to church. <gasps> what do you do? I go to church. Well, why? Because it's what you do when you're a Christian. That's Joe Osteen, okay? You go to church. You know why? Because it's right. And you tithe and you go to church and you pray and you read your Bible and you witness and you invite people to God's house and everything else that a Christian is supposed to do. Why do you do that? Because it's what you're supposed to do. You're supposed to keep on walking. And for many of God's people, when the darkness comes, listen to this, and when the feeling's gone, they pull over till they get another feeling so they can start up again and keep going. God wants us, listen to this, God wants us to obey Him regardless of the circumstances or the situations or the people we're dealing with. God still wants us to obey Him. And there are times, I'm just saying to you, there are times when it's easy to read, read the Word of God and pray and witness and come to church and there are times when it's not. So let's understand this. And I think you do, but I want to reiterate this. Your feelings and my feelings have absolutely nothing to do with our relationship with God. Zero. <clears throat> so just follow my logic here for just a moment. What if I told my wife sitting back there, uh, you know what? I don't think I'm coming home tonight. I don't feel married anymore. I don't think you should be a hypocrite about it. I just don't feel like we're married anymore. And my wife, being the sweet, lovable lady that she would is, she would say something along these lines. Our marriage isn't based on feeling. It's based on a fact. Because on June the 20th, 1987, we stood before the Lord and a preacher in a church, and you said, I do, and now you better. Because it's a fact. Come on. It's a fact. Do you know? I hate to even say this. There are times when I've been sick, I don't feel saved. I know I'm saved. I don't feel it. <laughs> there are times you're not going to feel. I don't feel. You feel, 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 feel. We're a feeling-oriented society. 
Here's what you need. You need a fact that your faith is in the Word of God. You got an anchor that's sure. It's steadfast. It's unmovable. You got faith in the Word of God, ladies and gentlemen. And I tell you, your feelings are up and down all the time. But I'm so thankful that I don't have a relationship based upon a feeling. Now, I'll tell you, I like having the right kind of feeling. I can, I can be on the lively side. I can handle some of that. I just, I, it doesn't matter where, but there's, there's a place I go to YouTube once in a while. It's a Baptist church. And, and they, they're not our stripe, but they're a Baptist church. But I, I can enjoy that kind of a service. I'd say, you know, I'd like to see that happen one time in Southwest. Just, you know, people enjoy the Lord. Because it's emotional. I love that. But I'm going to tell you, you can still meet with the Lord and you can still sing to your heart's desire and you can still worship the Lord, ladies and gentlemen, whether you feel like it or not, because your feelings have nothing to do with your relationship with God. What are you saying, Brother Rocky? I'm saying this, keep on walking. Can I just remind you a couple of illustrations here? David did this. David was anointed king in 1 Samuel chapter 16, verse 13 by Samuel. Chapter 17, he kills Goliath. Chapter 18, verse 7, the women come out and they say, Saul is saying his thousand and David is ten thousands. And Saul became jealous of David and I, David, from that day and forward. And after that, David became a fugitive and he was on the run till Saul died. David was in darkness. Pastor's been preaching about that. He had done absolutely nothing to Saul. Nothing. But here's what he did. Please listen to this. But David kept walking with the Lord. No, he didn't do everything right. But I will tell you this. Even in the midst of his darkness, he never touched God's anointed Saul. He had two different occasions. 1 Samuel 24, 1 Samuel 26. And he never did that. You know why? Because that's God's anointed. He was obedient. He feared the Lord. Job did this. After everything was taken away from Job, in Job chapter 1 and verse number 20, the Bible says he fell down on the ground and he worshiped and he said, the Lord gave and the Lord had taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. In all this, Job sinned not, nor charged God foolishly. Mm. Job was in darkness and he didn't know why all the darkness was around him. And he didn't know why all of this was happening to him. And then he lost his health in chapter 2. And his wife said, why don't you just curse God and die? And he probably didn't feel good. But he kept walking with the Lord. He wasn't perfect. He kept serving the Lord. I think about the Apostle Paul, even in the midst of his prison imprisonment in the book, uh, as he wrote to the Philippians in chapter number one, there were people that were preaching Christ out of envy and strife and they were giving Paul a hard time. And you know what Paul said? I just rejoice that Jesus Christ is being preached. He just kept on walking in the midst of his darkness. I want to encourage you tonight that whatever you're facing, whatever you're going through, whatever happens to you, whether you're going through it tonight or whether it's 10 years from tonight, whatever you're going through, may I remind you, just keep on serving the Lord and keep on walking. Amen. Number two, look down here at verse number 11. When the darkness comes, number two, don't light your own fire. Look down there in verse 11. Behold, all ye that kindle a fire, that compass yourselves about with sparks, walk in the light of your fire, and the sparks that ye have kindled, this shall ye have in mine hand. Ye shall lie down in sorrow. 
You know, if the lights go out at your house, the most logical thing to do is get a candle, get a lamp, get a flashlight, and start seeing where you're going in the dark. But would you notice verse number 11? What God is saying is that when He puts us in a period of darkness and He tests us and we light our own fire, we're in trouble. We're going to lie down in sorrow. Kindle a fire, I've already said this, but kindle a fire is man's own efforts. So can I give you two examples of people that did this in the Bible? There's more than two, but two will be sufficient. Abraham did this. God called Abraham out of the earth of the Chaldees and told him, Abraham, I'm going to give you a great nation. Your seed is going to be blessed. All the earth's going to be blessed because of your seed. And when the Lord made that promise to Abram, he turned out the lights and gave him a barren wife. He walked around for 25 years at least before that promise came to fruition. But what happened? They tried to light a fire. And Sarah provided the match. And it was Hagar. And our world is still dealing from the problems and the sorrow that that fire lit so long ago and far away. Is everybody listening to this tonight? You light your own fire, you can make a big mess of things in your life. How about this? Pastor preached about this several months ago. Saul did this in 1 Samuel chapter 13. Saul is surrounded by the Philistines at Gilgal. Samuel said, now wait until I come and I will offer the burnt offering. And Saul is in the dark and he can't hear from God. And he said, I'm going to light a fire. I think I'll sacrifice and he sacrificed, which wasn't his place to do. What do you mean by that? He took matters into his own hands. He kindled a fire and he lost his kingdom because he lit a fire. Because he tried to help God out. So I just want to submit to you, it is so tempting for you and me to light our own fire, to try to help God up, to try to hurry God up. But there are two reasons why you and I should not kindle our own fire. Number one, that darkness is ordained of God. And when we take matters into our own hands, we are frustrating the purpose of God, which we may not even have a clue what God's doing, but God is sovereign. God knows exactly what He's doing. But... This also, man-made light is very deceptive. Now, I don't know if any other man's had this issue. I have. I've been getting dressed in the morning, have on artificial light, and thought I was putting on blue socks and get outside in the sunlight, and they're black. Because artificial light doesn't always appear what, it, what you see until you get out in the natural sunlight. And whenever you kindle your own fire and you walk in what you think is right, it is very deceptive. Let's see. Proverbs chapter 16, verse 25, I believe it is. There's a way that seemeth right unto man, but the end thereof are the ways of death. When you walk in the dark, when I walk in the dark, number one, keep on walking. Number two, don't light your own fire. Number three, Probably the most important. Look at verse 10. You fear, you obey the voice of the servant that walketh in darkness, hath no light. Here's what you need to do. Let him trust in the name of the Lord 
and stay upon his God. When the darkness comes, find a staff to lean on. Notice that word stay there. You can check this out. The word stay there is the same Hebrew word that's translated staff in Psalm 23, verse number 4, where David wrote, Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. And he says here in verse number 10, Stay upon his God is to lean upon God for support. Lean upon Him. Put your trust upon Him. Why is it sometimes that God withdraws what we would call His conscious presence or His blessings? Why is that? So that you and I might learn to lean on Him and trust Him regardless of the circumstances that come into our lives. That's exactly what the three Hebrew children did in Daniel chapter 3. We're not bowing down to your idols, King. We may be burnt but we're going to serve our God. Our God's able to deliver us, but if He's not, that's okay. We're going in the fire. They trusted the Lord. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 6. Very familiar verse. The writer says, but without faith it is impossible to please Him. Paul said in Romans chapter 14, verse 23, for whatsoever is not a faith is sin. And ladies and gentlemen, faith is not optional equipment in the Christian life. It's essential. And you and I cannot please God unless we are living in absolute dependence upon Him for everything in our life. Well, how does God give us more faith? Not the only way. But one way is to put us in the dark. So we have to trust Him. Romans 10 verse 17, the Bible says, Faith cometh by hearing, hearing by the word of God. So here's what you and I need to do when we walk in the dark and we don't have an answer and we can't explain it and it doesn't feel like God's around us. What do we do? Stay upon your God. Something that I said as a pastor to many people many times, I quoted it in difficult situations. Mark chapter 7 verse 37, He hath done all things well. Romans 8, 28, all things work together for good to them that love him and are called according to his purpose. Paul said in 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse number 9, Jesus said, my grace is sufficient for thee. My strength is made perfect in weakness. Ladies and gentlemen, our faith must be in God and it must be in his word. And when we're going through difficult times and there is no explanation and the feeling's gone, trust the word. Stay in the book. Stay in church. I'm going to tell you, you know what a lot of people do? They get out of church. They get on drugs. They get on alcohol. They get, they get addicted to some, something out here. Are you listening to me? What you need to be addicted to is the Word of God. Because this is a good addiction. And if you have something to stay on, listen to me. I don't always know why. I can't always see what's going on. I don't always know the mind of the Lord. No one does but I can trust him. So keep on walking. Don't light your own fire and lean upon him. Stay upon God. Trust him because he makes no mistakes. I want us to bow our heads and close our eyes. Thank you so much for your kind attention to the word of God this evening. I wouldn't presume to know what's going on in anybody's life tonight. It's not even necessary that I would. 
But I don't believe that I preached this message by accident. I really believe that God gave me the message. And maybe someone here tonight or someone on live stream, I needed that. And maybe there's a child of God here tonight. Maybe you're in the dark. Your situation, your circumstances. The list is endless what it could be. You don't need Rocky Harrell to say, you already know if you're in the dark. Or maybe you're about to be in the dark and don't even know it yet. I want to encourage you. Maybe there's somebody here tonight, you're a little discouraged. You just need to keep on walking. Maybe there's someone here tonight that says, you know what? I'm about started my own fire because I can't see. I'm about to make some decisions and I don't know what I'm supposed to do. You better wait on God. You better wait till you hear from God. There might be somebody here tonight says, you know what? I, I really do. I, just, I need to just stop and I need to stay upon the Lord. I need to lean into Him and on Him in my life. I'm just here to tell you, we all go through darkness. And maybe tonight the Spirit of God has spoken to you in a specific way. That's between you and the Lord. It's not between you and me. I'm not the Holy Spirit. But if He's spoken, you do whatever He tells you to do tonight in this time of invitation. Let's stand together. Lord, I love you tonight. Sure, thank you for your word. I thank you for the people that are assembled here in this room tonight. Lord, it's possible there could be someone here in our midst they've never been saved. They have no assurance of salvation. They've never put their faith and trust in Jesus Christ and they are trying to light a fire by their own self-righteous works. Something they can do. Would you by your Holy Spirit tonight bring conviction Show them they need a Savior tonight. They can't save themselves. They need you to save them. Lord, I would pray tonight for your people. And I'm not sure all that may be going on in someone's life, but you do. So would you please take the word tonight? Would you apply it to hearts and lives? And Lord, for those that may be discouraged, for those that may be just need a, a touch from you tonight to trust you, I pray you'd work in the invitation, have your will and way done. In Jesus' name, amen. We're going to sing page 607 tonight, Footsteps of Jesus. Whatever the Spirit of God speaks to you tonight, it's between you and Him. You be obedient as Brother Aaron begins to sing tonight.